hello, reanimators. It's uh, this is Stuart joining you from the West Coast, and along with me for the ride, East Coast HA Conrad. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? It might not be morning where you're listening to this podcast, but it's certainly morning. Or actually, it's not morning for you. It's afternoon, isn't it? Just afternoon. Well, it's still morning for me. The wonders of time travel and or intercoastal uh, alliances. Alliances, <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> Uh, So today we are continuing this delightful journey through Black Summer Season 2. I have the shivvies just thinking about these last two episodes. We're doing Episodes 3 and 4, which were Card Game and Cold War. And uh, But before we can get to those two exhausting episodes in a good way, we have a little bit of news. Um, And so we the, the first one was an article from Dread Central talking about a trailer that has dropped for a sci-fi, and I'm going to put zombie in air quotes here, uh, movie called Risen. And you got a chance to look at this trailer, H.A. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it looks, um, look, again, there's some good content coming out. It's very, like, um, it's desaturated sort of in color. Uh, The premise is one that we've seen for a few where it's that like a meteor has dropped and uh, like hit the earth. And um, this, is she like a biologist or she's some kind of a, the, the main character, she's like supposed to, she's like a scientist supposed to sort of um, direct, sorry, she's she's looking to see what's happened, you know, around this town, like lots of, lots of destruction and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it looks pretty cool. At least the this little edit trailer that we've seen. And obviously I think, um, I, I think you're gonna have to. Uh, who I, I want to see a little bit more, like if, like, but it looks pretty slick at this point, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it, starring it definitely it's like, to me has like Andromeda strain vibes a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's got that. It's got um, I don't know. It, it's it's a little bit more alien slash zombie. I guess is the better way to to put it. Um, and a bit of a mystery. So um, the main character is named Lauren. Um, and she is she has like a team, um, that you know. Uh, basically trying to figure out what's happening. And this is sort of the beginnings of an alien invasion that, you know, that they have to like basically fight against these aliens taking over the earth. So, um, but it looks, I mean, it's a lower budget film, but it looks really good. And again, it's, it's just interesting to see what's possible now, given, you know, the small, even with a smaller budget. So um, I'll definitely check this out. So I don't know how you're feeling about it. Yeah, it doesn't look cheaply made, at least in the trailer. But none of these actors are known entities no, to me. No, I didn't recognize the names of the, uh, the, the main actors are Carolyn McQuaid, Jack Campbell, Kenneth uh, Chudio, and Wasim Hawat. Um, and I've not I don't know that I've heard of any of them. Um, so in any case, but sometimes that makes, as we know, that's sometimes makes for the best, uh, zombie flick. So, so that could be kind of fun. So maybe we'll review that later. Yeah, totally. Um, in other news, Mr. Frank Darabont, uh, <sighs> has finally, after this very long, um, such a long road yeah. to get here. And it's ridiculous. It really is. And basically I have to say like the, the sort of accounting practices and the things that they were doing, um, basically cut him out of profits that he absolutely had a right to, in my opinion. Um, but he was paid, um, 200 million in a settlement by AMC, um, basically. And this has been, I mean, I think, is it over a decade that this has been going on? It's a long lawsuit. I think it's 11 years or yeah, maybe so- maybe it's it's about 10 it's a hell of a long time since he uh, considering that he got out of the show after writing half of season two right like he was he'd already gotten 
his mitts on season two, or maybe it was even season three before they, uh, before he left and the, the character, the actor playing Dale left also in solidarity also by having his guts ripped out by a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. So they paid him basically for like earning per- uh, perceived earnings that he would have been due if he had stayed with the show over the last umpteen seasons, right. um, as well as some other, you know, they, they kind of break down the way the money was was broken out, and it's I don't know, it gets into legalese pretty quickly. But uh, I mean, I assume he's going to get some of that. I'm, I'm sure his legal team, after ten years of trying to get this thing through, probably gets oh, a chunk. They get a big, massive chunk, I suspect. But um, but I'm glad to see it's finally settled and that he he did get something anyway. The end of the article also says, uh, and this really kind of just paves the way for Robert Kirkman's pending uh, litigation against AMC. So AMC is not looking super cool coming out of this. They obviously were kind of being jerks uh, to the people who, on whom they've made at least $200 million if this settlement is anything uh, to be. You know, I think that this is like an interesting battle just with the creatives and slightly different bent on this. Um, I don't know if you saw recently what happened in the UK, but basically um, they uh, MP members of parliament basically um there's been like an ongoing issue about, um, you know, the the streaming services, specifically with music and artists' rights, and um, basically in the UK, it sounds like they're going to reset um, those agreements so that the artists get a higher percentage. Um, and basically, the thing was is like, okay, you have these big massive companies making so much money, and the creative people who are actually responsible for the content are getting cut out, and it's unfair. Um, I'm wondering if you'll see, and and this is this sort of reminds me of the same situation, which is like, they, there would be no Walking Dead without Mr. Darabont, in my opinion, like not the way that it is now. He really, he really did start um, in terms of like the vision and getting the trend started. Um, I don't think that it would have been as successful a show if you didn't have him involved in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I definitely think that it's, and I think that in part, that's why he kind of continued with this great, this honestly crazy long lawsuit was because it's like, if you, if you back down on that, they will just continue to take advantage. And it seems kind of, there's so much money involved that it seems sort of insane to me that there isn't some acknowledgement of that. But again, it's the wild West. And I think, especially with this franchise, if you think about all the money in terms of like merchandise and, and streaming and now all the different shows um, that, that have come out of it, like the spinoff shows, it's just such a massive franchise that it, like, why wouldn't you acknowledge sort of the people that are, are getting you there? So yeah. in any case, um, that's, so that's all I have to say about that. And um, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Kirkman and, uh, and how his, how he does with AMC. Um, well, I'm sure he has moved of, on. Speaking of a person who, if it was not for Kirkman, <laughs> really, right. yeah. like all of this stuff would be nothing. Um, but, you know, I just think it, it's just interesting to me just because of Darabont's relationship with AMC, it's like, it's not like a question about whether he can bring a show, like a successful show to the to Matt for them. I don't know. It's just like a very odd thing to me. Well, he brought such a pedigree of like, right. uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, all this like horror stuff. Well, not Shawshank really, but Green Mile, I guess Green Mile isn't really horror, but two Stephen King projects, <laughs> even if it wasn't horror, he brought that pedigree and and definitely like raised the bar for this show to be more successful from its first season, which it was um, with, you know, Vato's 
uh, the exception uh, that episode. Right. I, I just think, you know, it just seems like, and maybe this is what happens when, I don't know, you just, you just get um, all the, and it, it's just so much bigger. It's not like, I don't know, it, it's not individuals, but then when you, you get people just sort of digging their heels in and I don't know. It, and again, it's like, I think that these things have all been evolving, you know, and especially with like the different ways that things can be watched and consumed and um, haha consumed. Um, you know, I, I think that that is all sort of still evolving and maybe that's kind of where it was um, for him. But I mean, I have to say like bringing, especially like that first season of the walking dead, um, bringing that vision and bringing that particular story in the way that he did. Um, as I said, I don't know that there were many people up to the task to do that. Um, but you know, uh, I will, I will stop talking about that so we can get on with things. Uh, speaking of other walking dead, um, and other money grabs by AMC. (laughs) Um, I have not seen this, so I'm going to let you talk about it because, um, I will check it out, but I don't want to, um, you know, I, I, I saw that it was out. I just haven't had time to, to look at it this week. Yeah. So subscribers to AMC plus, which is this like premier, I guess it's online only uh, channel that AMC puts out where you can get your episodes of uh, the walking dead shows and other, other um, programs a few days earlier. And then some other kind of behind the scenes stuff. They just put out something they're calling walking dead origins, or at least the first episode of that. And this is, there's a lot of potential for this to be super cool. The first episode is about Daryl Dixon and it's basically like walking through his story chronologically using footage from season one through 10, presumably. And Daryl Dixon is narrating over the, over it. Um, talking it about any, his story. Is it sort of regurgitated footage or all new footage? It's all it's all old. It's all original footage. Yeah. So okay. So it's got, not. Is it stuff you we have seen before? Yes. Or is it stu- okay. They're they're literally playing clips from Daryl in season one, like when when Daryl walks out of the bushes and finds his deer and and meets Rick for the first time uh, after that zombie has been eating it, uh, and then Daryl, uh, sorry Norman Reedus is just sitting at a like an oak table with a couple of cameras looking at him not with his long hair, present day, I assume. Uh, and then this is, the problem is, is that it's super scripted. It's, it's Norman Reedus reading a script about what, what Daryl Dixon, uh, how he, what his frame of mind was at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse and how it changes as he gets to know people and has relationships with the, the rest of the characters on this cast. So uh, where, where this could have been great and where I've seen this work really well before is like Blu-ray extra features audio um, commentary, which is what this kind of is. It's almost like a video commentary, right? It's like my favorite one is from the, like the, the Lord of the Rings movies with Elijah Wood and, and other people from the cast talking about what's going on on screen while you're watching it. And, and those can be really good. Sometimes they're a little embarrassing, like when Arnold Schwarzenegger is just literally describing the things that are happening on screen <laughs> while you're watching them. And he's like, oh, yes, this is where I hit that man really hard. That doesn't always work. But Norm Reedus is here just reading a script. And, and yeah, there's one or two jokes in there. But I feel like if he'd been given just the carte blanche to be like, you know, I remember when we shot this, it was hot as hell. And, and I was trying to get my head around what Daryl Dixon was all about. Instead, it's like Daryl Dixon's a searcher and he's always trying to find, you know, and it's just, it feels like it was, it just feels too polished and too handled, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, well, that was my, I, mean, t- I know I only watched the first 20 minutes. It's an hour long, this one about Daryl. 
Well, they they picked like a character. I think we all know people love Daryl. So yeah, um, so they we'll wanted people to happens. start watching these and, and right, fall right, in love right. with so it. So I'm you know I I, my, I can't help but agree with you about a potential money grab. So um, I'm gonna reserve judgment till I see it. But um, I don't know that I necessarily need to watch a lot of these at this point. <laughs> um, but you know, there there is. I'll definitely check it out and see. See, it's always kind of nice, and especially it's interest. It's interesting to me to basically see some of the earlier footage too, and to see how it's evolved a little bit. So that could be yeah. Cool. And Daryl's look, and actually, they have a lot of dialogue that Daryl's delivering in season one, and he's he's a lot more chatty back then. Yeah, he speaks a lot more. Um, he he starts to grunt a little bit more and become more taciturn as the seasons go on, which is interesting. Um, and then, you know, I, I have to say, like, it's as you know, it's always funny to me, both with him and Rick, sort of the level of hair and craziness, depending on what they're going through. Like, he's got kind of that weird little grease mullet, but perfectly um coiffed hair underneath it all. You know what I mean? Like, those haircuts that he has are not, just happening like that's mm-hmm. not just hair growing out and um likewise like rick grimes sort of crazy beard stages always make me hilarious, like laugh just to think about like there's got to be like a beard tamer or some kind of onset person dealing with that stuff which just i don't know i find well, if, I, if they get andrew lincoln to do one of these i'd be interested to hear about the, the story of the beard i haven't <laughs> no, heard so I, far that about daryl's hair uh, that hasn't really come into the uh the audio but <laughs> Uh, but any case, um, so I will I will check that out and I'll, I'll let's check talk about that next time. It, once yeah, I'm and ready. I don't mean to sound too negative about it. It is kind of interesting, um, but I'd rather hear what Norman Reedus has to say than oh, yeah, whoever definitely. wrote this for him. Yeah, agreed. I'd rather hear his thoughts personally than hear a scripted thing. So anyway, um, so next up, we're going to be talking about the next couple of episodes in Black Summer episodes three and four, uh, Card Game and Cold War. And um, I texted uh, I texted you, Stuart, because I really, after the second one, desperately wanted to move on to the third. Well, one. there's a big uh, cliffhanger like it, it yeah, were like yeah, clon- yeah. all my so- chronological beefs are like s- settled by the end of episode four. We seem to be caught up. Right. And there's a cliffhanger. Right. And so, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. I wanted I to did, keep watching too. I did restrain myself. I did. Um, but I really wanted to after, after, you know, the end of episode four, I, sorry, I went to, to start episode five. Um, so anyway, um, let's, let's jump into it. And, you know, I'm curious to hear what you think about the storytelling mechanism again, and they still do a little bit of what we were seeing. At least they do it. A, there's still some of the, the odd storytelling happening. All this, this particular episode, episode, um, three card game is a little bit more linear, um, than yeah. we've seen. It's, it's not jumping as, as much. Um, and we're actually just sort of, um, I don't want to say stuck, but we're in one specific <laughs> oh, sort of. We're stuck. <laughs> we are stuck, um, but in a different way. Uh, yeah. And so it's, but it's, so let's get into it. But it's also because of things that we have seen in the previous episode, I kind of feel like it takes the, um, some of the interesting parts out of it because uh, we already know what the result will be. Yeah, so yeah. like, so the tension that we're seeing, it's there, but you and I, you, as a viewer, both know what will the ultimate result will be. We just don't know how they're getting there. Can so I, I give you my hot take? Yeah, go for it. My hot take in, in a couple of words is Freddie did nothing wrong. 
Correct. Freddy was okay. He well, he did a few things wrong, but Freddy was not the evil man that I thought he was before we came to this episode. Yeah, yeah. So just given uh, Rose's um, interactions with him, I really thought that he was like, like a gross dude that had possibly tried to assault either he's, one or both yeah. of them. He's just a little um, simple. Yeah. Um. And then the other thing that struck me about this episode, so. Um, before we should set the table. So basically, as as those of you who've been following um, this particular series know, um, after episode two, Rose and Anna, got, we see how they get into the big house, how they get there. Um, and they are let in much in the way they let Freddie in in the other episode with like a zombie chasing them. Yeah. And as they get in, we see the characters in the house and we see the familiar face of the guy um, who we see die when there was the big sort of shootout the ambush. Yeah. Um, and I, I still don't, I barely recognize that dude until he puts on his green coat. I'm like, hey, is that him? I can't really Oh, tell. I knew it was him, but, but we also see some of the people that he had referenced in the other episode, like his wife. Yeah. Um, and then we see the other, and we see, we do see Freddie and we see some of the other members of the household. Um, there's an other older woman and then there is a mother with their two sons. And I have to say the mother um, and especially her son, um, Sonny. Sonny. Yeah. There's something like, there's something strange about them. Like they look weird and they kind of act strange in a, in a way that I thought that there might be um, more of a backstory that we were going to see with them. Mm -hmm. um, their behavior. Maybe we will. Maybe we will or hear about him. I like, but even in this episode, like, there's something quite odd about them. Did you get that feeling too? Well, I mean, I, I was convinced she had a bite. Maybe I was convinced of that. Um, I was convinced that there was maybe something incestuous going on with her and Sunny. Oh, she's a terrible mother. I mean, the thing she says to Sunny later later in the episode, where they think Freddie is dead, and she's like, "You're both so useless." She says that to her and, to her son, and then she has a bizarre kiss with him that is like super creeptastic. Like, I just thought oh yeah, they were a very odd little family. Um, and you know, Freddie again, as you said, did nothing wrong. And even within this little triad of a family, he's definitely the most palatable. And he's not. There's nothing like he didn't do anything wrong. And he's actually, you know. I think that in terms of a character in this this zombie apocalypse, he's scared, but he's not evil or anything. So, so um, the the guy who plays Sonny is named Dakota Dalby, not a, a well known actor to me. He's but he's been in a fair amount of stuff. But it was when he was a child. I assume when he was a child. I don't know how old he is, hmm. but he seems um, really oh, he's twenty six. So he was in um, Falling Skies, which oh, was okay. that cool um, alien apocalypse show from twenty fourteen and on. Uh, he was in iZombie, apparently, for two episodes. And uh, The 100. Oh, okay. So he's um, been in... He's sort of been making the rounds. He's made some rounds. I thought that I recognized him, but I'm thinking, based on those... Uh, I don't think I don't think that I do. But he, he, has a, he has a definite look. He plays this role super well. So does the mom. And I, actually, you know, everybody in this scene... Is, uh, Grandma doesn't really have a lot to, of work to do other than look, like, kind of terrified a lot of the time. Yeah. But I feel like... Yeah, everybody in this scene is just ratcheting up the tension. It's so tense. Like even before Green Jacket guy leaves, you can tell nothing here is good. Like nobody nobody wants to go on this run to get supplies and the mom and Sonny are being super pushy about the airplane and whether how they know them and what about the radio and there's all this like tension and 
Well, I feel like Rose and Anna kind of put their guns down a little too early almost. Yeah, I agree. Um, and there's so much tension and you feel like there's other backstories going on here that we're not privy to whatever happened before Rose and Anna showed up. There's a lot of distrust amongst the groups, both about whether um, this couple and the mom in the house, um, the older, the grandma in the house rather, because ha- they have the ham radio and they like they have been communicating with this pilot that everybody's so curious about. Um, and there's definitely distrust with Sonny, Freddie, and the, their mom, um, who think somehow that there's like some secret other agenda happening. They also there's also distrust about um, food and supplies. And even though they want, um, and I and I'm sorry because I can't remember his. Uh, oh, sorry, his name is Mark, the guy who we had seen being interrogated before. Um, even oh, though. Oh. <laughs> he's going to go and get the supplies and it doesn't seem like anybody wants to go with him. There's just trust about him going to get the supplies. Like he might be rendezvousing with the pilot or might be doing this secret other ulterior motive stuff. At least that's the implication. It's just um, all so batshit. And this is mostly mom and Sonny coming up with these conspiracy theories. Yeah. And it's very odd. And, you know, and then we've got uh, Rose and Anna and they are very much obviously aligned doing their own thing. Rose is not a pushover, even though Sunny has been honestly really creepy overall. Yeah, she just doesn't respond to him a lot, which I think is actually a really good strategy because uh-huh. he tends to, he's one of these people who wigs out when you talk to him and he'll ask you all these questions and she bare, she either like responds very simply, doesn't make eye contact or she just doesn't talk to him. And I think that that's right. like the smartest approach. And certainly as the episode goes on and he gets more and more unhinged, Right. And it's definitely the Sonny and mom contingent that's being the most, you know, weird. Freddie is just sort of along for the ride. He is. But but he, so yeah, he doesn't good. really he doesn't get as in people's faces and aggressive as Sonny or mom. But he does point his gun at people un- unnecessarily. Yeah. And that happens yeah. more as the episode goes on, too. Right. Um, um, so when when Green Jacket Mark goes out to on his run and like there's a tearful kind of really touching goodbye between him and Rhonda, who's his wife. And I'm like, oh, my God, they just like on some level, they know in a way that they're not going to see each other again. But also, they're just trying to cover their bases. And if they don't, this is their last goodbye. He's going out. And there's, I mean, I feel like there's a really good tension because he also is like scared to leave her with these yeah. people. You can tell that. And whoever the grandma is, we don't even know who she's related to. Yeah. Um, and then she's she's scared for him. Yeah. Like there's that. It was a really well acted out scene. Um so I thought that that was good. And then mom and Sonny and Freddie are just casually carrying their guns around it. And it seems like Rhonda has, has an ax Mark. Does he even have a gun? I don't even remember if I saw him with a gun. Right. I, grandma I certainly know. doesn't have any guns. I don't think grandma has anything. And then um, we should also mention that there's this weird thing about any of them going separately anywhere. Like, you know, even when Anna goes up to use the bathroom and, and this is a second little weird thing that, you know comes into play later <laughs> but there's some dude hiding up there yeah um and he we you know you think that it might be nefarious he leaves her alone yeah and freddie like, like freddie going to get look for cream is even like a oh freddie's gonna go off by himself like uh-huh. it's it, yeah it's like they nobody even wants to leave the room that everybody else is in for fear of something right. like a plot being hatched against them right. obviously if Rhonda and mark were to leave and go on the run they they could get locked out of the house by the other people and they're or they're worried about their grandma if she's again i'm not sure if she's related to them or not but there's always like a fear 
Um, and that comes in with mom and Sonny and Freddie too, in their dynamic and with Rose and Anna, like Aunt Rose doesn't want Anna to go anywhere, let alone to the bathroom by herself. Yeah. Like you said. Right. And it's, you know, and, and it's interesting because I do think that they keep this tension going. And I mean, we know even at the beginning of the episode that all these people are dead except for Freddie. Um, you know, it's, we see so their crazy. bodies, yeah. um, and we just see how it all fall, falls apart. And I think they do a good job with that, but knowing that they're going to die is interesting. It's just like a matter of seeing how, um, so I think that they did a pretty good job with that. Um, there is a level of stress that I found, like I was having like an anxiety attached attack watching this. Episode. Yeah. There's stress inside the house between the humans. And then there's the outside because two people go outside during this episode, uh, Mark and then Freddie, um, they all know that there's a zombie out there because he chased Rose and Anna to the door. Mm -hmm. But every so often, one of them just kind of goes outside and and Mark does treat it with serious, like he, he's taking it very seriously. He's hiding behind bushes and doing these little like scampers. But the zombie sees him and comes after him. He barely gets away on that snowmobile. Yep. Um, and then Freddie, oh, <laughs> Freddie's just a simpleton, right? So he goes outside with his flashlight. Why they couldn't get the extra wood when it was still daylight, I don't really know because outside with a flashlight these zombies can see well, i assume and i loved how they tried to bully anna into going and get the wood like yeah. why is that a good idea like come on um and it was really strange um that whole thing well this is um, part of that like rose holds the line really well against um mom and yeah, yeah, and yeah, sunny and uh <laughs> yeah and freddie freddie just he gets treed but he gets up that tree so fast good for him um, <laughs> but inside then like Sonny, this is when that weird, like, oh, you're so useless thing happens to Sonny. Yeah. He has started like drawing his, he started pointing his shotgun at the grandma one, one time when she just gets up to get everybody cliff bars. Like it right. doesn't, it's getting, it's getting so bad that, and I, I am really, I was really happy to see that Rose and Anna's card game was really just code for who is who and how they're going to kill them. I thought that was um, pretty I, funny. And you started to see that really early on when she's like putting cards around the table and she's identifying people as like, this is the queen of hearts. This is the Jack, et cetera. And mm -hmm. the 10, I think Freddie was a 10 and Sonny was a Jack. Uh, but I thought that was genius. I really love that part of the story. I did love this, that too. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you saw some of the, um, I don't know, people, people commenting on the episode, but someone was like, is that a real card game? And I'm like, Oh, I think you missed the point of that one a little bit. <laughs> so it, that was also a cool scene. Then this is the scene where Freddie is like, "Can I play with you?" And they're like, "It's really complicated. It's past, present, and future, and blah blah. Everything is wild or whatever." And they're like, "You're just yeah, you don't get it." Yep. And Freddie's like, "I don't want to play anymore." But why do you smell so good? And it's not creepy. His delivery is not as creepy no, as I was it's, thinking. It's not as creepy as you would think. And I don't know. It is a weird thing to say, but anyway, um, that was. I mean, Rose gives Anna and Anna and Rose share a look after he says that and leaves where they're just like, oh, that was that was bad. And maybe it could go bad if Freddie, I don't know, was was more um, aggressive than he seems to be. But he just kind of then leaves them alone and then goes outside to get the wood and doesn't come back. Like that's that's the extent in a way. That's the of, extent of it. Nothing. I thought something dramatic had probably happened and it didn't. He, he, so yeah. it was a little bit weird that it hadn't. Um, he was casually pointing a handgun at Rose and Rose and Anna earlier on when Sonny drew, drew the shotgun on grandma unnecessarily. True. They started having these standoffs fairly early. Like as soon as it turned dark and they were drinking whiskey in front of the fire, suddenly there were just, there was more pointing of guns at people. 
and then there's all the the radio stuff too gets gets involved and that that's actually when freddie is still inside the house and he goes upstairs with Rhonda, and he's basically fine he's like oh you can't get through give it a minute and try again later you know he's just he's reasonable ish yeah and you know sunny is not um and basically ultimately destroys the radio um which is you know and even the stuff even the confrontation between him and Rhonda is super bizarre yeah, well, on Rhonda's part, I would say she knows Sonny is almost like a known entity. Like he's yeah. going to be he's going to be freaking out on you. But if you don't like challenge him, he doesn't right. seem like he's going to pull a trigger. on. He doesn't he doesn't actually attack anyone without provocation. She's right. just saying, like, I'm just trying to survive. I don't know what I mean. Maybe she, he's just yelling at her so much that she loses it. But she dro- she like goes for a gun and tries to shoot him and loses in that fight. Right. And it's just like, I mean, it's. And then, of course, she she turns and it all. Well, he, come on. He's like, this is the one thing about the mom, Sonny and Freddie family. They're kind of all idiots, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because when we see how this is done correctly later, when um, Rose and Anna do it like professionally. Um, but he, yeah, he, he shoots Rhonda in the center mass. She dies within you know 20 seconds, but he has not even racked another round into the, into the shotgun. He's not ready to follow up. He's nope. just kind of slowly walking around the desk to see if she's dead. Right. It's like, uh, anyway. And then I will say that the choreography is really well done and the editing is well done. And they, you know, in this small space, um, again, this makes this whole episode like a big, big old anxiety attack. Tons of tracking um, shots still. That- yeah, but I mean, they, and then they have, you know, it moves, the action moves downstairs. Um, and it's, it, again, the sort of big fruition of the communication between Rose and Anna um, earlier, just like they give, they have a really big payoff here, which is that, you know, basically they take out everybody and even poor grandma who got attacked by, by Rhonda. I mean, she's not, she's been really attacked. So it's like, you don't really have a choice, but they yeah. just take them all out, you know, like it, but it's- not right away, not right away. Like, yes, not- they, they take out Rhonda and granny kind of showing that they are the alpha, Correct. the alpha predators in this house at that point, because mom and Sonny are trying to beat them up with bottles and pool cues. They like forget about their guns somehow. I don't even understand this. These people yeah. all had guns, but then yeah, Rose and Anna, well, Rose really takes out both Rhonda and grandma without even a second thought. And then there's like a quiet moment again and they're sitting around the fire again. And then uh, that's when Sonny suddenly runs upstairs because he hears something on the radio, destroys the radio, comes downstairs, finds Rose and mom having an argument. And then without even like a, a cue that we can see, maybe there is one of like a visual cue. They, they cap both of them yep. once and then a second time. And oh my god, I had chill. I had chills. I was just like, that is just perfect. They, yeah, it was well done. Uh, I was really happy to see that they're doing it in a smart way. Yep. And and seeing the contrast between some dumb bullies and some ice cold, you know, smart people taking care of business. I mean, it's tragic. It's all tragic. But you know what? Once Rhonda and Grandma were dead, like there was nobody worth having in that house. Frankly, right. Um, and you know, we have a little bit of a, um, we have a little bit of a cliffhanger, like at some point, one of the tensions was, is that the ax disappeared and they all yeah. were accusing each other. And it's in fact, that weird dude that was upstairs. And there is that like sort of scene where you're like, oh my gosh, is he going to try to take them out? Um, but he doesn't, he just kind of looks at them. 
Um, and then that leads into the next episode, um, which is Cold War. Um, one thing I did notice for both of these episodes, and this is consistent with like the beginning, um, again, another character or another element of this whole thing is the cold. Mm -hmm. um, so this is also something that like is informing their different decisions, like why they don't want to get locked out why going out uh, in addition to the zombies why going outside is such a big deal while why getting inside is such a big deal um and you do see characters like basically pretty desperate to find shelter and to find so you know so there's this whole thing where when anna and rose first get into the house that they are invited to sit by the fire and there's that and then later on in this next episode we see like parts of it like when they're filming we see like their breath you know what i mean like so it's this they may, I think they do a, a good job at, and it was probably pretty freaking cold to film this, I would imagine. It looks absolutely, yeah, frigid for sure. Um, so I, I thought that that was something that I think is impressive in what they're doing with these episodes in that it's very clear that this is a, in addition to the bigger issue of survival, the, the zombies, there is just a general survival thing with the elements, with the cold. So, and think um, about when they had to do like with these tracking shots, think about how many times they had to reset oh, and like terrible. do this, the footprints in the snow. Oh my God. And, and like the destruction inside this house by the end of this oh, episode, yeah. I can't even imagine how, how difficult this show must've been to, to maintain that continuity. Um, I mean, once the once they get once the firefight uh, by the end of this episode is in the house, like everything is destroyed. But there are bullet holes in the wall that I feel like you kind of have to you probably had to patch over and redo with squibs every so often. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think that they probably had to be really careful. I, I don't know how many times you could actually redo some of these things. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah. Because a lot of windows get shot out, too. It's um, and can I just say the basement? What a what a horrible place. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So this episode is it, it's this is the most exhausting. How many how many minutes was this episode? Like 40 minutes? This is it felt like it was three hours, um, at least for me in a good way. But yeah, yeah, not like, oh, it's slow and maudlin. No, this it starts off with a little bit of a contemplatory sort of, you know, here we go. Here's sun lying in the snow. There's about Poor nine, sun. nine of the operators <laughs> left with Nasri. Sun's, sun's having like a really weird day she's having a terrible time you remember how like confident and self-assured she was in season yep. one and i'm not saying this is like the lucy treatment from walking dead where they've just stripped her of her power well her power has been stripped because she is a prisoner and these guys prisoner, even... and they're like i guess like the thing that like maybe i am missing something yes i am missing something. no i mean i am too i why the 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 motive I don't understand the motive behind this yeah and um, how much how much do nasri and these guys know like them right. choosing sun to wave a white flag is that like a is that like a coincidence but not that not that um jamie know king can even like see her mistaken face identity that they, they think she's something else um, yeah it just feels like maybe there is a big gap here that and and you know if were they always hunting uh, were they always hunting Rose and Spears and Sun for some reason? Right. Like, was this something going on? I don't know. But they have her walking around like Chewbacca with her hands tied up and yanking <laughs> her around like, you know, like a, although she actually is a prisoner, she's not faking being a prisoner. But, um, you they know, check they on her like they're also kind of making sure that she's OK to an extent. Yeah. It's like very strange. So I maybe this will get filled in later for us. But that is strange. Um, This this 
I feel like so much of this episode revolves around Sun's survival and you know there's moments where it's just like oh my gosh how she how is she gonna get out of this one <laughs> how is she how is she gonna get out of it i mean also we have to you know rose and anna are in a real pickle and freddie they're all in a real pickle inside this house because not only are these there are these 10 heavily armed operator dudes coming up to their house who intend to come inside there's also the gang shows up halfway through the episode. Right. And it's like, you're like, oh, wow, this is a really bad situation at the beginning, you know, at the beginning of it. Uh, and then it just gets so, so much worse. Yeah, like there's a two warring factions. So we see a lot of action with that. And again, I am truly enjoying the show. Like the, the filmmaking is very good. The storytelling, again, without almost zero dialogue is impressive. Um, it really is just like watching a moving comic book or something. Um, and it's definitely got a bit of a video game feel to it in parts. Um, a lot of it, I think. Um, and, but it's like, and you know, these, like, you know, the stories of some of these people. So you've got like, because of the things that we've seen before. So we see the stories of Sophie, um, and Naziri, um, collide. Um, they collided before, but they collide in a big way here um, with their two different groups. We see Naziri just totally like, you know, with the one man on his team who takes out uh, one of the zombies that was also a member of their team. And Naziri doesn't even <laughs> that kind of that gives away their uh, their surprise element a little bit. Right, but... right. But Naziri doesn't even hesitate, takes him out. Like, not it doesn't even know whether the guy's like, I'm good and he's done. Oh, that um, scene. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the beginning still. No, that was way. that was insane. Yeah, that like, dude, that dude actually way. does fend off a zombie. He say, you know, like he saves his life. There's no bite. There's no bite on that dude, but Nasri doesn't even hesitate. Well, he does. He hesitates. And the guy sees it coming. He's like, no, I'm fine. And then he still shoots him in the face. Right. Oh, and my it's God. Like, and it's like this insane firefight slash zombie chase slash all, all over the place all at once. It's exhausting to even it's, think yeah. about who choreographed this. The it's mayhem. Thing. It's such a frenzy. But then they also have scenes like where one of those ganger dudes breaks into the basement. Right. Through the through greenhouse somehow, uh, little does he know that Freddie was shot in the first like exchange yeah. of gunfire and rose threw him down the stairs he into kicks the him down the stairs. Poor Freddie, he's uh, just like. I mean, you know. it's kind of smart if she doesn't need to go down to the basement anyway. Now she has a built-in sort of defense mechanism down there. Well, she does, and she also is protected herself from him because she know he is. There's yeah, no he's been him. he's been shot a few times in the torso. Yeah, there's no saving him and she knows that. And so she's like, there's no time and just shoves him down the stairs, not meaning there's no time before you turn, basically. Um, so that I thought was really well done. And then the the whole scene between him and that other guy is, is rough. And that was then, intense. And there's a, a there's actually like a suicide uh, imagery warning at the beginning of this episode yeah. that's referring to the end of that little uh, sequence where the dude realizes he's been bit like five times. And he does, he just keeps getting bit by zombie Freddy, but keeps yeah. fighting back. And I kind of liked seeing the, I don't know, they, they came at that fight with a real sense of, all right, sometimes you, you have a zombie fight and a guy just gets bitten and then killed by the zombie. What you don't have as often is I'm going to get bit like five or six times. You know, this guy is done for, but he's not going to give up fighting and he does eventually kill zombie Freddy. Well, uh, but then also, he, then he, yeah, then he's got I also think problem. in the moment you probably go into survival mode and I yeah. think that's normal. And then when you, and then I think that this is very realistic in that when you think about it, 
then you're like, oh, I know what's next. And so, I, I mean, it was disturbing, but also made sense. So I thought that that was uh, an interesting thing to show. And then, um, and then we see the crazy firefight all throughout this everywhere uh, outside inside everywhere and like you know as i said poor son is like it kind of follows her to some extent and you know she she's like still her her wrists are both um they're in handcuffs but also tied yeah um and she's been yanked around by um nasri and she has to like protect herself because they kind of tire to this thing. And it's like, Oh my gosh, what a vulnerable position to feel like you, you're not going to be able to. And obviously people are turning left and right. They, so yeah. They tire that banister before the shootout starts in the, if this is the same basement or a different basement, yeah. it's not really easy to I tell. Know, but but then rough. the shootout begins. She is not in cover. She's just tied to a banister in the middle of a firefight. The blood is like pouring onto her <laughs> when, when there's people getting shot right in front of her. And then um, when after Nasri aces his own guy and he like leaves and then that other zombie shows up, she has to, I mean, luckily she can break out of that banister easily enough. And then she's kind of just running around hiding while the firefight goes on around her. There's a few scenes in this episode where people are like just tucked into like a bathtub or around a corner while the, the, the dudes with the rifles are clearing rooms and they, they just manage to get away. Or not get away, but not get seen. So it's like there's not actually a lot of detail. There's tons of detail in this episode, but it's way too much for us to go through exhaustively. But bottom bottom line is, I think the gang is almost all killed. You don't see the ringleader, the one with the with the wool hat. I don't think you see him after the first couple of um, minutes. So maybe he's still out there. Maybe there's a few more of these gang members or whatever. They're not really gang members, but this ruffian, this crowd of ruffians. There's maybe a couple of the operators left. We see Nasri with one other dude and our big plot twist, Sophie or Sophia, whatever her name was. Yes. She appears to be one of his, she's a mole for him or has been the whole time, potentially. I think so, because they look each other and they're together. And then they smile and leave. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, we're cool. Poor son. Poor son is just like yanked again. And it's like, oh my gosh, after all that, really? But, um, so but, there were probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 people in this firefight, or it felt like there were at least. Um, and by the end, I don't, it's really hard to tell. Maybe there's five or six and, right. and Rose and Anna and um, airplane mechanic dude who had been hiding in the house, leave in, out the other door, out the back door. All they see are dead bodies. They're both picking up guns. Anna is a smart lady and picks up a bandolier of shotgun shells. I was kind of hoping they would loot a little more, but I guess... Yep. Yeah, you probably want to get out of there before. Maybe there's somebody dying slowly and going to turn into a zombie. It's probably best right. to just get out of there. Right. And um, the guy that's been hiding in the house um, basically says that he's worked at the airstrip and knows where it is. So he's going to lead them to that. So there's that. Um, the story continues to tie so much into this plane and this airstrip. Yeah. And that appears to be part of the motive for everybody. Right. They all stop when they hear the airplane every time. <laughs> it's always the motive, you know, and there's this moment um, that always has happened. So um, so again, it's it's 
you know, and it was definitely like, and this is the part where I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to see the next episode. But I did, I restrained myself, so I did not. Um, and so I'm excited to see the next couple. Um, I'm really enjoying the series. I think that it's it's really, and again, as I said before, despite some of the weird jumps in the timeline and the narrative, um, I don't mind them telling the story this way. I think it's kind of interesting and um, as long as there's some breaks in that that make it a little less less exhausting, I think that's fine. But again, breath of fresh air compared to Fear the Walking Dead this past season. God, so. yeah. And remember, Spears wasn't even in this episode at all, or Julius James or whatever his, he goes by in this this season. Right. So we'll have to see where he is. I imagine that'll be a bit more of a slow burn uh, once we get back to his story and that shadowy figure who is following him. Um, but we get oh, and we also I should also mention so Sun and and Anna and Rose never get reunited. You, nope. They're all in the same house together. They never see each other. <laughs> they never saw each other. I mean, they the only part that they see of Sun is like when she's sort of hidden by a bush raising the white flag. Yeah. Um. So it's not like so that doesn't happen. And so there's this level of are they going to see each other or like what's going to happen because is like they're going to be some misunderstanding that they think somehow like sons betrayed them or whatever i don't know it's just so i thought that was another way that they kept tension and they're keeping tension in this series because they have not been reunited and then spears is out there too so you think um, think also about the the resolution of this episode why did nasri want to go in that house what did he actually get for all right. of that effort and losing all of those people he actually just leaves with nothing except for a fraction of the dudes he went in there with and he still just has son and now he has sophie but I don't know if that was really what he wanted. I agree, but I guess we will find out more later. Yeah. And so should we bid everybody adieu then and, and come back next time with episodes uh, five and six of Black yeah, Summer? Yeah, I'm good with that. Let's do it. Uh, so please let us know what you thought of these two because we both needed to take a little lie down. So you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at reanimatedpcast and our show notes will be online with at reanimatedpodcast.com. And until next time, ciao. And thanks for listening. And please do let us know what you think about this. Mm-hmm.